The Buckeyes are back, but they look a lot different this season. I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Thomas Bradley. This is After the Score. Welcome to After the Score, 89.7's weekly look at sports here in Central Ohio. I'm Steve Brown with Thomas Bradley. This week we'll talk to the owner of a 1977 Chevy conversion van. Not just any van, though. It's the perfect tailgate machine, and he's looking to raise money for renovations. And later I'll sit down with Olympic gold medalist Kyle Snyder. He won gold in Rio in wrestling, and he wrestles for the Ohio State Buckeyes. We're going to talk about his experience in Rio, and his lofty goals for the future. And I am excited to hear that. But first, it is early September. We're in Columbus, Ohio, so it is time for Buckeye football. The Buckeyes return to the field in Ohio Stadium this Saturday to take on Bowling Green. But we are really just biding the time until week three when it's a big test at Oklahoma. It's the two non-conference games first that, that that are the cupcake games, if we want to call them that. And then the big matchup against Oklahoma, Ohio State fans are looking forward to, but got to take care of business first. Yes, they do. And we sat down with Eric Sager from the OSU football site, 11warriors.com. And we started our conversation with just what his expectations for this year's team are. I would say Big Ten favorite along with Michigan and Michigan State, just because Michigan State won it last year and and Michigan should be very good as well. Um, But I think Ohio State kind of deserves to have a little bit of an, of an edge there because Urban Meyer is 15-4 in four seasons, um, and he's done some really great things in Columbus. But I, I wouldn't put them as national title national title favorite right now. Definitely a contender, though, be, just because they're going to be there every year, I think, as long as Urban's a coach. Are they getting the credit because of Urban Meyer? Because there's, there's so much unproven yeah, talent yeah. on the field. Is it, it's just Urban Meyer. It's a lot recruiting. of him and the recruiting classes and JT Barrett. It's, it's pretty much those big things um, just because, you know, and he's said it a couple times too. Like he sees this kind of as like the 2014 team where you didn't really know who Ezekiel Elliott was. You didn't really know who Darren Lee was. And then these guys just kind of exploded and came into their own and they all played really well. And at the end of that season, I mean, no one was going to beat that team. So, you know, it's kind of scary to make that comparison because there's so many guys on this team that we just haven't seen play yet. I mean, there's 44 freshmen. That's that's absurd. But a lot of it is, you know, people are banking on Urban and being the coach that he is. And he's one of the best coaches in the country. Looking at the schedule, the first thing that jumps out at me is that this seems like the first year in quite a while, it really seems like they have a gauntlet of away games. They're at Oklahoma, oh, yeah. at Penn State, which isn't an elite team, but that's a really hard it's place, a to, place play. to play. Man. And then they have to play at Wisconsin and at Michigan State. They right. get Michigan at home, right. but their other uh, the four hard games that jump off at, the schedule to me, they're all away. At Wisconsin is even like, yeah. really tough. Yeah, and I think, I might be wrong on this, but I believe Wisconsin has a bye week before they play Ohio State as well. Lovely. So, so they, It'll probably fall on Halloween, it, too. That seems like yeah, something it, that'll happen. It's either them or Penn State or around Halloween. That's how it always is. But, yeah, I mean, Ohio State, you know, Penn State was a bad team two years ago, and they went in there and almost they almost beat Ohio State. I mean, it took two overtimes for, for Ohio State to get out yeah. there with a win, and that team won the national championship. I mean, I remember standing on the field – before, like during the overtime periods of that game, and the place was shaking, and I was scared because if Penn State won, I mean, there were not enough security guards there to, to save my life. But that's aside the fact. I mean, yeah, but to your point, the road gauntlet, it is, it's real. I mean, Ohio State's going to earn their way this year, but it's pretty incredible. You just have to step back and, and look at it. Like Urban Meyer has never lost a road game since he's been at Ohio State in four years. That's 18-0 record. That's that's special, and it it might fall this season. I think it will at Oklahoma personally just because it's an early season game. But, 
you know, they're, they're going to be ready and they're going to take their lumps, but they're going to be ready just because there's so much talent. You mentioned Oklahoma. Ohio State plays Oklahoma in game three after Bowling Green and Tulsa. Oklahoma is going to have an early test before even Ohio yeah. State with a familiar face this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, head coach, uh, former head coach of Houston, Tom Herman, used to be the offensive coordinator for right. Ohio State. They uh, they they take up. Yeah, they they battled this Saturday at noon, yeah. I believe, at uh, Houston Texans Stadium and NRG Stadium, I think is what it's called. And you know, I I'm kind of upset that that game is at noon because I'm not going to be able to watch it. But yeah, that's kind of uh, that's a very exciting game. And and you know, we've I've talked to some other reporters. If Houston wins that game. Oklahoma beats Ohio State and Houston runs the table. Houston's going to make the playoff. I mean, they would have to if they were undefeated. So that there's Tom Herman's got a really good thing going down there. He's got a really good quarterback in Greg Ward and, and Oklahoma. You know, they're also just very good as well. I mean, Baker Mayfield's a Heisman contender for sure. So that that game, Ohio State Oklahoma, is what everyone's pointing to right now. But there's a lot of excitement just because there's a game this weekend too. Let's keep it back up here north in Columbus. A lot of new faces on the Ohio State football team, but the most familiar is in the most important position. JT Barrett. Yep. Um, he's he's an all-conference guy. He's a really good quarterback. He had to fight with Cardale Jones last year, yeah. mainly because Cardale Jones had the three otherworldly performances in the, the previous pre, previous postseason. What can Barrett do to take the next leap? Is there any, I mean, he's he's a great field general. He has a good arm. He's, he's very mobile. What can he do to really improve? I think what I want to see from him on Saturday is just, like, the, the control that everyone has, like, talked about him having because, you know, this is his third year in the offense, second year with Tim Beck. You know, Tom, him and Tom Herman did some great things in 2014 before JT got injured. But Tim Beck was kind of in flux last year dealing with two quarterbacks and all that. But he said – himself he feels more comfortable and I think JT needs to continue to show that he can get the ball out of his hands quickly and on time because that was what he did very well in 2014 with guys like Jalen Marshall and Michael Thomas and even Zeke out of the backfield so there's talented guys at wide receiver and running back he just needs to get it out and he needs to stay healthy that's that's the big thing too because the guys behind him have never taken a college snap before so there's a lot on JT Barrett, but he's 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 very capable and he's a great leader. So, and like you said, he's a field general as well. One thing Urban Meyer said earlier this week is last season he just ran the ball way too much. Yeah, he did, and that was sometimes by design and sometimes by scrambling. How much of a challenge is it going to be to make him stay in the pocket or stay in a throwing position? Yeah, to, to well, make the plays? I think you know that's that's something Ohio State says they're going to focus on a lot starting on Saturday. They they want to do fifty fifty balance, and and last year JT did run the ball too much, and and like I said before, he's got to stay healthy. So it's going to be a focus for them, but eventually you're going to do what you're going to do to win games because you got to win games, and a lot of times that was why. Ohio State ran him so much is because Ezekiel Elliott was a great blocker out of the backfield, and that gave Ohio State an advantage with a quarterback run. But what they need to do, I think, is just trust guys like Mike Weber, trust the Pat Elf lines and the Billy Prices that are going to they're going to pave the way. Your offensive and, line, right, and, and get those guys in space. And they're going to have to. I think that they need to use Curtis Samuel a lot. I, I think that guy needs 15, 16, 17 touches of the game every game, whether it be handoffs, touch passes, swing passes, whatever it is. Get that guy the ball in space. This game against Bowling Green this weekend should just be a formality. I imagine OSU will win by three touchdowns. But there's a really interesting storyline. Urban Meyer got his head coaching career, mm-hmm. head coaching start at Bowling Green 15 years ago. Yeah, and that's he spoke about that on Monday. Just He was sharing stories about how he went there and he's like, our first game was at Missouri, a game that they won by seven. And he said, we only had 50 guys to make the roster, because, like make the travel roster when you're allowed 70 because a lot of guys like quit the team and they weren't buying what he was selling. And, and, you know, it's he always is going to say that it's a special place for him. And he won, 
17 games there over two seasons and then before he went to Utah. So he loves that place, but he also knows that that kind of goes out the window on Saturday. Eric Sager covers the OSU football team for 11warriors.com. The Buckeyes open the 2016 season this Saturday against Bowling Green. That's head coach Urban Meyer's first coaching stop. Thanks again, Eric. Yep, thanks, guys. So this is a first for After the Score. This next story is about a van. Yeah, not a, not a man. This is a story about a van. A van and its, its family. It's a story about hope, Thomas, is what it is. The, the Ohio State van is what, what it's called. Is, mm-hmm. was, was a family car for the Reinhardt family for many, many years. You've seen them around the stadium. They, they're converted vans. They're converted trucks, ambulances. They're the ultimate the tailgating. stickers all over it. It's, it's Ohio State van. They're the ultimate tailgating machine. But... In 2005, the Reinhardt family decided to part ways with their van. Yes, it was getting older. Uh, the father of the family, Dennis, was getting older. He was moving into a smaller house. And understandably, he just wanted to get rid of this big van. But it, it broke his son, James Hart, and they went on this quest to find it. But James went on this quest to find it years after they sold it. They found the van, and they have become reunited with the van. The problem is now the van is in a little bit of disarray. It's kind of just an old bucket of bolts now, and it needs a lot of work. So this story is about them finding the van and trying to bring the van back to its former glory, the the glory that was the OSU van. Yeah, and we, we started out by asking James Reinhardt, why go through all this effort for a 1977 conversion van? Well, I, I think in all fairness, we didn't know it was going to be beat up. Uh, you know, in our mind, and you know you romanticize things, and this is something – the van's something that as kids – We've really romanticized. We grew up in that van. We traveled across country in it. Uh, we did. We expected that she would have been as loved as as we loved her. She does she and, have a name? Uh, no, I don't think she has a name. <laughs> but you know, all all ships are, are she's right. Um, and uh, so we expected that she was going to be taken care of. And so I, I kind of called it in the the video the prodigal van went away and and now 10 years back she she wasn't loved the way we would have loved her and she's she's just really torn up she's a mess and and that's what was really most shocking about it that uh someone wouldn't have taken care of her like we maybe we would have liked her to well you, you sold it to a collector in 2005 so the assumption would be there that they would use the van the same way you guys would use it and tell us where you actually found the van and what it was doing when uh when you found it <laughs> Yeah, I, we uh, we did some some you know the internet's a, a powerful tool, and um, had some friends that that helped me out, and we eventually uh, found online these people were down in the border of of uh, Ohio and and West Virginia, and they were using the van. All the seats had been ripped out of it, and they were using it to to move stuff to flea markets. So there's like bits of straw and all kinds of stuff all in the back of it, and the guy said the previous person before him had moved like animals in it. I mean, so it was really being used as a utilitarian uh, van and, and, you know, what is, uh, you know, uh, 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 probably not for its Ohio State, <laughs> you know, looks. It was basically, you know. It was uh, a van. It was just a van. It was a van that people. happened to have Ohio yeah, State on the that side. That was exactly what it was. And, and I, when I sold it to the guy in Marietta, 
Uh, I put it on Buckeye Sports Bulletin when the internet wasn't. It was in 2005. And the, he was the first guy that called. And he almost paid as much as I bought the van for originally. It was in immaculate condition. There was absolutely no rust on nothing. It was, and I actually had a guy from Atlanta that wanted to fly in from Atlanta and buy it. Hmm. And he was trying to buy it from under, under the guy in Marietta. When I went down to Marietta to sell it to him, he had a basement was full of high state. He had the memorabilia that was really, I just assumed, and I think he did take care of it. He might have got sick, something happened. But after four years, he sold it. And from that time on, it lived outside, which means the paint went bad. He, uh, my, you know, I had it. It never left the garage. Uh, it never probably as few as 500 miles a year to as many as maybe 10,000 because I drove out. I drove it to every football stadium in uh, the Big Ten except for, you could guess, too, Michigan right. State. Yeah, you, don't Michigan. Take, you don't want to take that van up there. <laughs> no, I never took <laughs> it to Michigan State or Michigan, but every place else it was at. And I had people remark about it. The mayor of Iowa came out and, and went to the van and the governor of Iowa? The mayor. The mayor of the city. of. At, uh, oh, I see. He came up. Des Moines. We, yeah, we gave him Buckeyes. And I had, you know, people would take their picture by it. I had Earl Bruce. I had I had Woody Hayes on the back of it. Uh, it was very unique. The NPR, when I was next to the stadium, uh, said that it was the best. They interviewed me, said it was the best van in the land. And uh, uh, Were these vans less common than they are now. You, you you go through tailgate lots and you see a lot of these vans these days and, and RVs and buses that are kind of tricked out. Ambulances, yeah, trucks. Yeah, were they, were they less, I was, less common then? Being a, being a 77, I was, when I par, uh, tailgated, I was real unique. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, had the roof. We one time, when Ohio State won the Big Ten Championship, we were on the news because James, my son here, we had a, a Ohio State uh, uh, flag that we could put out the ceiling and we drove down uh, high street when Ohio State won the Big Ten and people were kids were coming up and jumping on the van and everything it was very it was unique at the time there's probably more of them now but there's very you know from a conversion van standpoint you just can't get any parts anymore conversion vans are just mm-hmm. not like it was in the 80s there was lots I, of them I'm not a psychologist but when I your reaction to getting the van back in your driveway you didn't Maybe you were in a little shock, but was there any part of you that said, I don't want this old bucket of bolts back. I got rid of this thing once. I don't want it back. Well, when I – no, actually, because I actually had, had fantasized about I wish I would have taken it out. You know, I mm-hmm. actually – I had to – I didn't have a place to park it in the in my new um, uh, house I moved into because I went to take care of my mother. She's 93, and we had to get a different house. Well, when he pulled in the driveway, it looked like it was okay. When I saw it from a distance, I thought, oh, where did he find that at? You knew right away what it was? Oh, yeah. I mean, because it, you know. But then as I came out of the house and started looking at it, then I realized it was destroyed pretty much. And I didn't know how bad it was. I made the commitment to to try to to repair it. I thought originally, originally I thought all there was was going to be the differential was making a noise. Otherwise, it ran. Uh once I made the commitment, and then we had to do the engine, right now, this is how bad it is. Underneath, there is only one thing that, is, that we've been able to, to, to make, which was a, 
a um, uh, alternator. Every, otherwise, everything from the battery to the muffler uh, to all the brake lines to the gasoline lines <laughs> to the brakes. It all needs to be custom. It's all had to and finding parts has been a nightmare. Just to get something, uh, the guy that's doing the repair, uh, he get uh, we had he went through six uh, fuel pumps before he got one that would work. So that's that's a nightmare. Everything right now. I mean, I just talked to him. It's it's like if you ever saw the movie Money Pit, <laughs> just, <laughs> just keep this, throwing money. At this it. is what it is. And I didn't, you know, when I started it, I didn't, I did not think it was going to be that bad. Mm-hmm. And it's really bad. And I haven't even got to the outside of it. Yeah. I so, so outside of the under the hood problems, what, have you guys done anything as far as fixing up the paint or the interior? Oh no, we haven't even got to it yet. Okay. We haven't. He's still working on the engine and everything to make it run. And then of course it's got to get tired. Once he gets that, it got tires. And then the outside body, I have no idea because it's where there was no rust, there's rust all over the place. So and, and, the, and then they let it sit out. I said it was seven years, probably six or seven years outside where it never spent outside. So the roof looks – I thought I could – because I'm very good at, you know, using the hands and, and we wax and stuff because I'm very particular with my cars. And this one I worked on and there was nothing I could do. Well, when you finally pull the van into the parking lot, the tailgate again, I'm sure you're going to be very happy. But how upset are you right now at your son for bringing you a $10,000 project? Probably more than that. But, I, <laughs> I, you know, to be honest, and yeah. I, I'll tell you the very truth. It, at first, it sounded good. Once I started getting into it, I talked with my wife. I said, this is going to, you know, it's being retired and it's fixed. And I said, you know, I don't know that, that this is really – because we're not going to drive it. Actually mm-hmm. – it's going to have everything new on it. You know what's going to, who's going to get to use it is him and his family. <laughs> Did you plan that out, James? No, no, honestly. I didn't. Be, because I'm he, a big romantic. He's got, <laughs> he's got memories of going to parks. And, right. Uh, I played uh, big time softball. It's been in every major, been in New York, uh, Long Island, to, to Hutchinson, Kansas, with full loads of softball players, uh, full loads of play, or, you know, guys going to football games. It's 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 been very unique, and those memories are good. But I don't even know if I I can do those anymore. It's going to have to be my kids. Well, what's the what's the dollar figure you're looking at? Is it is it fifteen thousand dollars, twenty thousand know, dollars? I, when I opened up the GoFundMe, I, I put it for ten, and I thought we had room at ten. But then since I've opened the GoFundMe, once you know that the engine had to be completely redone, uh, and and then every time we look at something, that then that's not counting. We don't know even what that magic number is with paint. Uh, I think we're somewhere even 10 to 15 now, right? At least. And, and where are you at with the GoFundMe right now? Right. Well, how much have we earned? Right. 300 bucks. <laughs> so you're ways off. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the way I looked at it, like any any little bit of money can help. You know, it, uh, dad and mom, all they want to do in their retirement is go to football games and, mm-hmm. and enjoy that in the retirement together, right? And I didn't want this. I wanted – this was kind of – I romanticized this into that. So now – they're going to have to put their money into this instead of going to those football games, and and I don't want that. So I, I thought any amount of money that we would get in in the GoFundMe to help take care of some of that cost and get it taken care of, that lets them but, have the you know be able to go. But those. you guys are committed to this no matter what happens with the GoFundMe it's account. It's in the shop. Yeah, it's getting done. It's getting done even oh, yeah. if you have to foot the bill yourselves. Yep, exactly. It's loan is what. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I I you know I didn't. James did this. And I did. You know I probably, I wouldn't have done it. But and I don't. I mean, I I feel kind of guilty about it. That 
I look at it and just, you know, hey, if somebody looks at it and they see the van, they're a football fan. I mean, I don't expect anybody to, to if they give money, fine. But, you know, I, I'll have to do whatever I can. But it's not valueless. Once you fix it up, it's going to be a working van. It's going to be a— Oh, it's, a, a, it, I think the kids will be able to use it yeah. the rest of their life. Sure. Because the, the problem is, is that, you know, it's not going to be driven much. I mean, I, uh, there's all other problems, but I— and I probably won't drive it much. It'll be just for football games. And, you know, the kids, maybe they can go someplace. And he remembers going all over, sleeping on the floor when they, you know, they're 40 years old now. And all three of them, all three of my kids slept in a bench chair in the back made into a bed. And all three of them were able to fit in there and sleep. So it it, they, it goes all the way back to there. So their memories are, are and, and I have great memories of it. You know, I mean, from I also I went, I played big time softball. I went all over the country playing softball in that. Right. Almost anybody that played softball in the uh, '80s uh, saw that van any place in Ohio. Well, the grill got hit by a softball. That's it not, right. was, was it your shot? Was it your home run that hit the van? <laughs> I don't know. I, it got hit. It's for sure. But. Well, James Reinhardt and Dennis Reinhardt, thanks for thanks for stopping in, and we really do wish you luck. Thank you for the opportunity. And to close the show now, Thomas caught up with a, a man who's very famous on the Ohio State campus right now, OSU wrestler Kyle Snyder. Yeah, he, well, he's famous around the United States. He's an Olympic champion. Well, there's there's several gold medalists in the United States, but Kyle Snyder is one of them. He won the gold medal for wrestling in his weight class in Rio, and he's an Ohio State student. He's the youngest American ever to medal in the sport of wrestling. Not just medal, but he won gold in the 97 kilo class. Uh, this is after winning a national title for Ohio State. So he, he really is quite an accomplished athlete at such a young age. So I sat down with Kyle to talk about his Rio experience and his uh, gold medal journey. Yeah, it was overall a great experience. So I got the experience, you know, almost all of Brazil. I got to see all the sites, Christ Redeemers, uh, Sugarloaf Mountain. I got to stay in the Olympic Village for about a week. Uh, I got to go to the Olympic Park, got to go to Copacabana Beach, got to walk in opening ceremonies. So it was a great experience, and uh, overall, everything was really positive. I never felt um, like I wasn't like I was in danger of any sort, and uh, I think Brazil did a great job. Correct me if I'm wrong. Your competition was near the end, if not the last weekend of the Olympics. Last so you, day. Last day. So you got you got two weeks basically to. I'm sure there was training involved, but you got two weeks to be not a, not only a fan of Team USA, but to, to see Brazil. What was that like? Not waiting for your competition to start. Yeah, so, I mean, we we had a pretty strict uh, training regimen while I was in Rio. So I didn't get to see too much of Brazil during that time period, but I stayed for four days after, and I was able okay. to see a lot of Brazil. And um, I actually didn't get to go to any other events. The only event that I went to was my day of wrestling and the day that I weighed in. So um, I watched all the other events on TV, which was awesome, and... Um, there's a lot of Brazilians, obviously, that they showed on TV down there, so everybody was getting really excited for them competing. Uh, the, the TV coverage in the United States was a lot of United right. States athletes, as, as you might imagine. Um, talk about the difference between Olympic wrestling and NCAA wrestling. You're now a champion in both respects. Is there a, a scoring difference, a time difference, a ruling difference? Run us through Olympic wrestling and then NCAA wrestling. 
Okay, yeah, so Olympic wrestling, freestyle wrestling is what I competed in. And similar to folk style, two points for a takedown. Uh, the top bottom is very different. You can lock your hands on top, and if you expose somebody at all, you get two points. And you only have about 15 seconds on the mat until they'll put you back up on your feet because they want a lot of action. Where in folk style, if you take someone down, it's two points as well. But you can ride them for as long as you possibly can. And to get back points, you have to hold them on their back for uh, three seconds and five seconds to get points. And uh, other than that, I mean, there's a push out in freestyle. So if I drive somebody out of bounds with a single leg, I get a point. Where in folk style, you don't get a point for that. And uh, exposure at any time in freestyle will be two points, where in folk style you can roll over your back as long as you're not stationary there for three seconds and you won't get points. So it sounds like there's a lot more opportunities for scoring points in freestyle than there is folk style. And freestyle is what they do at Olympics, and folk style is what they do at NCAA, correct? Correct. So is it generally higher scoring during the Olympics than an NCAA meet? I would say during the Olympics, most likely not because just the level of competitors. The, the elite athletes right, right there, are yeah. there. But in a normal tournament, I think more scoring happens in freestyle than folk style. Okay. And remind me the weight class you competed in. I wrestled at 97 kilograms, which is 213.8. Okay. And talk about some of the competition, not only in NCAA, but around the world. Who were some of your biggest competitors? My biggest competitors around the world were... The guy wrestling the finals from Azerbaijan, Ketag Kazumov, um, the Russian, Anzor Boltakayev, Ukrainian, uh, Valery Andreyetsev, and Iran, which was Reza Yazdani. Had you wrestled any of them before Rio? I had. Yep, okay. I'd wrestled two of the four guys. And what, where, where would you have wrestled them? I wrestled the Russian in Russia. I wrestled the Azerbaijan guy in Germany. Okay, and what kind of meets were those? Were those um, Olympic qualifying meets? They were just uh, tournaments overseas just to get international competition, you know, just like um, in the NCAA, we hold meets and tournaments to get matches all over the world. That happens. Let's talk a little bit about your career aspirations. You've obviously achieved a gold medal. You've achieved an NCAA championship. What's what's next for you? How long is wrestling going to be part of the Kyle, Kyle Snyder story? And what's after wrestling? Wrestling's going to be a part of my life, uh, probably for the rest of my time mm-hmm. I'm here. I think something that I love to do and it'll be something that I love giving back to when I'm done competing. Um, I'm going to wrestle for as long as my body pop- physically can. So I, I want to wrestle in five Olympic games, Okay, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, got to stay healthy and that's a lot of wrestling, but um, I'll be 36 years old at that time. So it's definitely possible. So a quick math, that's the 2032 Olympics you want to wrestle to? 2020, 24, 28, 32. Yeah, 16, 20, yeah, 32. Wow. And we have no idea where those are going to be. We know 2020 will be in Japan, and we will see you in Japan. Hopefully. Yeah, I got to make the team, but that's the plan. And what's your your major at Ohio State, and is there any plan to use that major after wrestling might be over? My major is sports industry. And not 100% sure if I'll use my major. I mean, right now. Well, you're in the sports industry as we speak right, right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the wrestling. Yep. So I'll use it definitely by being an athlete. And I'll probably, you know, stay here and train and get paid through the RTC at Ohio State. And then maybe possibly coach, but not until I'm done training. 
Um, and then maybe after I'm done competing, I think I'm, I would think about going back to school and maybe trying to get a business degree from somewhere and uh, use that. And that will do it for this week's edition of After the Score. You can find an archive of old episodes using our mobile app. You can also find those episodes at WOSU.org slash After the Score. You can also follow us on Twitter at After the Score. Until next week, I'm Thomas Bradley. And I'm Steve Brown.